So turn with me. Um, we started this last week, and we didn't get very far. Um, I generally have more notes than um, I can ever get through in a day, but then we stretch it, and we can uh, make it go far further. I, I um, have a message in my spirit, and um, we'll see where it goes. I told the first service, you know, it's kind of helpful maybe to explain my method uh, and our methods sometimes when we're ministering or preaching. And how many know preachers and teachers are different? You say, yeah, they're different. They're different. Y'all are different. Um, different in the way that they uh, minister. And so for me, I've always, no matter what my preparation is, I've always got at least about 20% uh, space there where I'm, quite not, I'm not quite sure what direction I'm going to go. And uh, it's just kind of the way that I'm wired. And so um, that being said, that's why sometimes you'll see we don't get through something. It's not because I don't want to get through it. It's just that stuff kind of starts happening in the room. And so my, my prayer is that, um, you know, whatever God wants to say and speak from his word, he's able to speak from his word. Amen? So how many ready to go somewhere with that? Now, I hear the objection. I hear the objection um, kind of in, in my mind. Maybe it's just my objection. Somebody says, well, couldn't God tell you what you need to know, you know, on Tuesday or Wednesday? Yes. Uh, but he just doesn't work that way with me. Uh, with some people, he does. With me, I I. He just doesn't. And so I, I think it keeps us dependent or keeps me dependent on listening to God. So all of that to say, uh, let's see where God wants us to go today. I want to talk about prioritizing presence, and uh, we'll start reading through some of the scriptures. Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 11, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. Now, I want you to see what he didn't say is every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I will give you. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. Which tells us that in our life, we shouldn't be trying to do things and then ask God to bless it. But success in life is praying, God, let me discern what you're already doing and let me walk that path. So that I'm not trying to write a story from scratch. I'm trying to discern the story that's already been written. And when I place my feet onto the territory that God's given me, God will give it to me. Do you know that not everything you want is supposed to be given to you? In our American Christianity, if we're not careful, we have almost made God... Uh, somewhat of a genie in a bottle that, you know, whatever we desire, we can pray for it and ask for it. And we'll be, if we believe we receive it, we shall have it. And that is a scripture. Uh, but we misinterpret it if we think that whatever thought comes into my mind, if I can pray hard enough and I can believe hard enough that somehow God's going to give it to me. God only gives what he's already given. This was a specific promised land. It wasn't Egypt. It was a specific promised land. It should take a little pressure off my life when I realize I don't have to possess everything. I just have to discern what God's called me to possess. 
whether it's my ministry, my family, whatever it is. I love what Heather posted this week. It was a great post, and she always, I know she'll hate me for calling her out like this, but it was a great post, very simple in that it, it was something to effect, and I'm summarizing that she came along, along this long journey. God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Do I need to sing? Do I need to preach? Do, well, all these things we usually think uh, that we all have to do or, or wish that we could do, and she finally realized, really, all I have to do is love the people that God's called me to love and reach them for Jesus. That's the territory, amen? I find like in the last six weeks, I almost feel like a, we've been trying to demystify and deconstruct some of these uh, unhealthy um, attachments to the whole notion of calling uh, so that we can finally get to the true understanding of what a call of God is. That, number one, it is much more simple than you realize. And it is much more available than you realize. That the call of God is merely discerning where is the place that God wants to take my feet. And that if I can discern where he wants to take my feet, I just walk there. Love is a good way to begin to discover it. If I ever doubt, God, where are you leading me? I'll say, God, where am I supposed to love right now? That's a great place to start. Who should I forgive right now? Who should I share the love of God with right now? Who is in my territory, my family, the places that I go every day? God, if, if you've given me this territory as I begin to walk in the footsteps of the Spirit, I'll find that you will give it to me in a way that is kingdom and redemptive. Amen? Amen. I'm just reading the Scripture. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. As I said to Moses, from the wilderness and the Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. Verse 5, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. I want you to see that the promise of, of verse 5 is tied to the parameters of verse 4. Verse 4, he says, here's going to be your territory. From the wilderness to the Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. And no man shall be able to stand before you. Where? In your territory. The implication is if I get out of my territory, there might be somebody that could defeat me there. Because the authority is given for a certain possession of a certain territory. If I tried to live somebody else's life, I might not have the authority. I wouldn't have the authority in their calling that I would have in mine. I heard somebody say this years ago. It's kind of a broad brush, but is it okay if I just teach today and just kind of see where this all goes and flows? I heard somebody say that's why sometimes businessmen just make, uh, preachers make weird businessmen and businessmen make weird preachers. Now, certainly there's some truth to where, you know, we, we can move in the marketplace and be preachers in the marketplace. I'm not taking away from that. What I'm saying is sometimes you would see people that are called to the marketplace think that if they're going to be called, they have to do something here. And because they stepped out of the place of their anointing and their territory, they weren't as effective here as they could have been had they followed their heart and, listen, took the footsteps onto the territory that God was giving them. And sometimes there's an inability to move into, because how many know there's an authority, a general authority of the believer, and then there is an authority that comes in your place of calling? Right? So in the general authority of the believer, I can cast out devils in the name of Jesus. Doesn't matter where I'm at. 
But there's also an authority in my calling that there is a spiritual authority that, let's say, comes with this office and pastoring this church. I hope that I am discerning things at a level higher than other people are for this church. I hope you're discerning things, but I hope that I'm up here because if I'm not up here, then as a leader, I am missing something concerning the authority that comes with this sphere of influence. And so that's why it's important that I understand not only the authority of the believer here in general, but also that there is a sphere of authority that comes in birthing this type of work that if I get off and I am distracted and I'm not in the spirit, there will be things that loose in this ministry, do you follow me, that I need to be aware of and take out by this authority. Does that make sense? Let me break it down further. As a father... There is a level of authority you have as a believer, just as a general believer. You can cast out devils in Jesus' name. You go down on a street mission, and you begin to preach, and somebody comes up, and they've got a demonic spirit. You can cast that devil out. But there's also a special authority that comes in your role as a father in your home, as a mother in your home, that sometimes we understand general authority, but because we don't understand the sphere, your family is territory. Your family is something God has given you, not only to be blessed by, but to ensure that those children and generations to come rise up and fulfill their purpose. So if I just see it as a family and I don't see it as a sphere, a territory that I am supposed to possess and bring about God's kingdom in, I will miss opportunities to bring the kingdom to come to pass in the places God has put me. There are so many who think they can't be used by God unless they go to another nation and they live in a hut. Thank God for those people that do that. But what are you going to do with your authority here? Am I talking to anybody in here today? No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life as I was with Moses. I so will I be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Next verse. Next verse. No man shall, sorry, no man shall, back to previous verse. He's moving quicker than that. He's, he's doing very good. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Where? In your territory. When I traveled and preached, we'd have many times, we'd be praying for children. Every time I prayed for a child, if the parents were there, I'd bring up the parents. Because Heather, the authority of those parents is so powerful that I would just lend my agreement and teach them how to pray over their children. Now, we're parents, we're not living for God, then certainly we can step in and we can command things and we can bring healing and all of that. But know this, everybody say, I have a territory. That's why the enemy is trying to keep you from seeing it and walking in it and bringing the kingdom of God to the places that you have been called. Next verse. Therefore, right, be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance. The land which I swore to their fathers to give them, verse 7, only be very strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or the left that you may prosper Wherever you go, and I, I'm not going to take as long in this, actually the first service, I got stuck on this verse, and that's just where we stayed. But I do want to say this, and, and, and maybe we'll go down this path, because I felt this, I feel good in my spirit actually today. Um, 
the strength of your ability to possess what God has for your life is rooted directly in your meditation of this word. Be strong and very courageous. The other implication in this passage is this. It is possible to have a territory, have a calling, but not be strong. Want to get verse 8, verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your, not even your heart or your mind, that's implied, from your mouth. Because your mouth determines the direction and the degree of blessing or cursing that flows into your life. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. What this tells me is this. It is possible to possess a land that you don't have good success in. I don't know about you, but I just don't want to possess a territory. I want to have good success once I get there. I don't just want to have a family. I want good success in my family once I get that family. I don't just want to have a, a job or a career. I don't just want to get hired. I want to have the success of the kingdom when I get up every day and I go to work so that in 10 years I'm not fighting the same battles in business that I fought 10 years ago. I've got a good success that is coming. Why? Because I've got a territory given to me by God and I can take that word and meditate on it and have success and prosperity and increase. I don't want to fight storms my entire life merely trying to survive. I want to get the kingdom of heaven into my children, into my household, into my career, into every aspect of my life. I want the word to be made flesh so that the power of God can be fulfilled in everything that I have. Somebody say amen if you believe that. This book of the law shall not depart from your, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Okay. Real quick, let's read through these scriptures. I want to get through some of these. Have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, pass through the camp. Command the people, saying, prepare provisions for yourselves. For within three days you will cross over this Jordan to go in and to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. Next verse. Joshua 3, 1 through 17. And we'll read this very quickly. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow 
the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua spoke to the priest saying, take up the Ark of the Covenant, cross over before the people. And so they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, this day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. You shall command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, when you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. And so Joshua said to the children of Israel, come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, by this shall you know that the living God is among you and that he will without fail drive out from before you all of the ites. Next slide. <laughs> Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing before you into, into the Jordan. Now, therefore, take for yourselves 12 men from the tribes of Israel, every one man for, one man for every tribe. And it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, the waters that come down from upstream, and they shall stand as a heap. So it was when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan with the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people. And as those who bore the ark came to the Jordan, the feet of the priests who bore the ark dipped in the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest that the waters which came down from upstream stood still, rose in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zaretan. So the waters that went down into the Sea of Arabah, the, seat, uh, the salt sea failed and were cut off, and the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Last verse. Then the priest who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground. In the midst of the Jordan, all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. Everybody say, it's game time. We've been talking about being drawn out of Egypt, uh, but we can't talk about calling unless we also talk about the kind of faith that is necessary not only to be drawn out, but now a faith that takes us in. I want to talk about prioritizing presence. We'll just move quickly through these slides. In seasons of transition, there will always often be a loss and a river. For 40 years, they have waited, wandering in a wilderness. They have had faith to come out. And now God is saying, I want to give you faith to go in. It's one thing for us to trust God in coming out of things. But how many of you are hungry to have the kind of faith that can go into the things that God's called you into? The scripture indicates that at this season where they are called to go in, there were two main barriers. One was the loss of something in their past. The second was a river that was impossible to cross. And without going too deep into it, but just to make mention of it, sometimes the loss is a person. Sometimes the loss is a season. Sometimes the loss is a career. Whatever it is, there, there often is a loss that can many times signal and and represent the way that we have lived to this moment. Moses, he said, my servant is dead. Moses brought you this far. But I want to take you into a land that Moses prophesied about. And often in a season of transition, we must be careful to realize that the loss is not something that should stop us. But the loss is something we can derive strength and meaning from to go into the next season of our life. Does anybody hear what I'm talking about today? 
Not only was there a loss, there was a river impossible to cross over. Don't be discouraged when you see impossibility in a new season. But rather recognize, next slide, next slide. There will also be a presence and a promise and an open door. Israel is looking at the promised land across the river. And there's a loss in their past and there is a river in their present. But can I tell you, there's also a presence of God that is there that is never lost despite what was lost. The presence of God was there. There was also a promise, the promise that this land has been given to you. And there's also an open door. How many thank God for the presence, the promise, and the open door that never changes? The third thing I want to draw your attention to here is this. And the key to moving forward into what is promised is not to prioritize the open door. And it's not even to prioritize the promise. It's to prioritize the presence of the one that was there. Look at the next slide. The, the, the Bible talks about, let me, make, let me break this down, priority, a thing that is regarded as more important than another thing. In other words, God is saying this, I want to get you into your promise. I want to get you across this river. I want to bring you to the place that I've been preparing this nation for a long time. And I want you to take strength in the promise. But I want you to understand there's no going forward unless you prioritize presence. And we're going to talk about the prioritized presence. Y'all ready to go today? All right, let's go. Next slide. Next slide. Why presence? Why is presence important? Number one, number one, when the presence of God is there, I'm never alone. Oh, I thank God for the promise to never be alone. Never will I leave thee, never will I forsake thee. The presence of God. It is possible to have a promise outside of the presence. It is even possible to try to possess a promised land without the presence. But you can accumulate everything in your promised land, but if you do it without the premise, without, without the presence, it has no meaning. I'm going to tell you this, I don't want success without the presence of God there. I don't want the things that even God has promised me without a sense of the presence of God there. Because it is very possible that I could be surrounded by the accoutrements of success and in the, on the inside of me be lonely because I'm missing that presence of an almighty God. Is there anybody here today that says, God, Lord, I want the blessing. I want what's coming to me from your promise, but I don't want it without the presence of God. The second reason is this, not only am I never alone, but I'm never forsaken. It's possible to have presence, but to feel as if you're forsaken. We often live our lives with people around us, but we can feel forsaken. But how many thank God the blessing of the presence of God is this, that I never am ever forsaken by him. Not only never forsaken, but there's always the opportunity for a new beginning. In the presence of God. You say it's three strikes and you're out. Not when your God owns the ball and the bat and the field and has paid the umps. You know what I love about the presence of God? When I'm truly living in the presence of God, it can all break down and God says, I can recreate something out of nothing. You know, in fact, in the beginning, the Bible says that the, the heavens and the earth were created. The Hebrew is tohu va bohu, which means they were created out of chaos. 
We're not sure what happened between Genesis 1-1 and 1-2, but likely it was the fall of Satan. God creates everything perfect. Satan falls. The earth is in chaos, and God says, watch what God says. He says, I'm not going to redo the earth. I'm going to come into the midst of that mess, and I will give it a brand new beginning. He says, you give me seven days, and I'll get this thing up and running again, because what I do, I don't throw junk away. I step in, and I restore the house. Listen, God's saying, you want an HGTV special? I'll give you something that's better than the Brady Bunch relaunch. I'll give you something that can take chaos and make a brand new life at some of y'all at Brady Bunch. You're feeling the Holy Ghost when I said that right there. What I'm saying is this, God loves to come into places where there's chaos and disorder. Why is it that Matt Rice wants the presence? Because I've got some things I've messed up in my life. I've got some opportunities that I squandered. I've got some situations where I didn't go the right way, but if I've got the presence of my God with me, he says, three strikes, no problem. I own the bat, I own the ball, I paid off the umps, and I own the field. Stay up there and keep on swinging until you knock this thing out out of the park because in the presence of God, there is always the opportunity for a new beginning. Somebody needs to give God a praise if you believe that today. And then I added this one. I added this one this morning. In the presence of God, life is never stagnant. And the hardwired desire for growth and more is perfectly fulfilled in a life that prioritizes presence wherever he desires to take us. Paul wrote these words, and they speak to the hardwired nature of who we are. This, this scripture in the book of Philippians. Next slide, next slide. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting the things which are behind, reaching forth to those things which are before. Verse 14, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Why do I want to stay a worshiper? Why do I want to not let the devil ever steal my praise? Why, what, why do I want to get to the house of God every chance that I can to be in the praises of the midst of God's people? Because I need to keep something stirred up within me so I don't become stagnant. I don't know about you, but when I get in the presence of God, I feel something begin to stir on on the inside of me that says, not only is there a new beginning, but something in you, if you'll keep on stirring, if you'll keep on pressing, if you'll keep on reaching, I'll cause my movement to become your movement so you'll never, ever be stagnant because the presence of God keeps the movement flowing in my life. Somebody say amen. Y'all ready? Got 10 minutes. I won't get through all these. Everybody say prioritizing presence. Number one, how many want to know how to prioritize the presence of God in your life? I'm going to draw out some principles from this passage here. And the first one I see is this. you got to live close enough to the presence to see when it's moving. The scripture says they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God. And the priests, the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. In order to move with the presence of God, I've got to live close enough to see it. Is it possible that sometimes God is moving, but we've moved so far away that we don't see him moving? 
Bryn says something so powerful. She said, it is possible to have hope in your life in one area and lose hope in another area. Because the strategy of the enemy is to keep you moving so far away from the movement of God in an area you can't see him moving. I hate to do this, but come up here again. She's a, she's a good visual. It helps me. You don't have to look at the ugly 50-year-old guy. You can look at the beauty. You can feel sorry for her that she has to be with this old man. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. All right. So she said, we do, we do. So let's just make it really practical. Because a lot of times we preach things like, you know, take your territory. And we're not sure quite what. You ever been in a service and you're like, that was so good. I don't know what he was talking about, but it was so good. We felt it. We're to take territory. What does that mean? I have no clue, but we're taking it. We're Joshua people. What are you Joshuaing? I don't know. I shared this the first service, and I'll share it again. With the disclaimer uh, that certainly there are attacks in homes and there are conditions in homes that are varying. And so I, I don't want to oversimplify it, but I, I do want to make this simple enough in the principle to illustrate this point. What's the territory we're possessing? You remember that the scripture says that he said, I will give you the ground that your feet, I'm sorry, wherever the sole of your feet steps, I have given it to you. So how many of you want to see just the fullness of blessing in your life? So, so the first thing is, is this to discern what has he given you? I can tell you one thing that he's given you. If you've got a family, he's given you your family. I can't tell you how many preachers are out there and they're trying to win the world and their families are dying. Or how many, even businessmen, they're trying to win the world in their territory and it might be a valid territory. But can I tell you this? One of the things that happens when you prioritize presence, and it's later in my notes and I probably won't get to it, but I want to give it to you. When you prioritize the presence of God, he will purify your pursuits. There are some pursuits that are just off limits. There are some promised lands you shouldn't be looking at. If you are married, your secretary is not your promised land. I wish I got a better amen out of that. The girl next door is not your promised land. When I said I do, this is my promised land. She's not my promised land. This relationship. Right? Because she's not by possession. She's God's possession. That would help some of us because there are a whole lot of husbands saying, this is a possession. She's not my possession. She's not my property. She's God's property. We would treat one another differently if we looked at one another as God's kids, but that's another message entirely. If I didn't just speak to her as my wife, but God's daughter, you follow what I'm saying? But this is... My priority possession. If I don't possess this right, it doesn't matter what I do up here. Because I'm speaking to you from a stream that's polluted. 
was trying to get trying to get points here because I got birthday coming up. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Either that or I give her lots of things to preach at me later. I recall somebody saying. <laughs> no. It seems like I heard somebody preach about this last weekend. So if the enemy wants to keep me from possessing the land God has given me, he will often try to get me interested in other real estate. Why do you think God is upset when they said, let us go back to Egypt? Because it wasn't their territory. God takes personally when we refuse to give our attention to pursue the territory he's given us. And in the beginning, isn't it interesting that we all have Adam to thank for all of this? Because he didn't know how to keep a snake out of his garden. <laughs> how many of you, when you get to heaven, you got some things to share with Adam? <laughs> and how many of you say, do you want to see Jesus first? No, because I'd like to say some things that probably wouldn't be right in the presence of Jesus to Adam. <laughs> Pops, what were you thinking? <laughs> Think about it. Adam can't even fulfill the rest of his calling. He will lose paradise because he doesn't keep this territory possessed. Possessed. Authority. Strength. We, we, we saw in the scripture how you keep it possessed. How do you do it? By having the word of God, meditating on the word of God day and night. Oh, there's so many places I want to go. How much time do I have? Two minutes? When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord God moving, you shall set out of your place and go out of it and go after it. But you can't even see how God is moving here if you're not close enough to see him moving. And so the strategy of the enemy is to try to start here and keep the presence of God from here so that you can't move forward together to bless generations. Good preaching. Just want to make sure. Oh, no, I still need you. <laughs> I still need you. That's right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Joshua says, I'm going to take you on the promised land. But don't get enamored with the promised land. Prioritize the presence. 
Don't even get enamored with the promise of the promised land. Set yourself when you see the presence moving that you can get up from your place and go after it. In other words, the greatest gift that I can give to my wife to keep this strong is staying close to God. How about worshiping over my marriage, worshiping over my family, praying and saying, God, I want to see if you're moving with my family, I want to see it. I, I, I thank God for that. I don't want to have to wait for the personal prophet to come and tell me where I've missed it. I want to see where you're moving. I want to stay close enough to see it. Does anybody hear what I'm talking about today? I'm going to make this very, very simple today. Men, your greatest call on this earth is to be a priest and a prophet in your home. And to be a priest and a prophet in your home, you've got to live close enough to the presence of God. Not so I can come. Listen, because God's speaking to her here, but many times we're not in union because I'm not hearing from God here. Do you follow what I'm saying today? I want to live close to the presence of God because I want to, when we hear it, I want us to go together. I want us to be in sync together. I want to keep this place where, listen, if I can possess this in the presence of God and with the Word of God, and keep this right, then listen, God will get us where we need to be as a church. He will get me to where I need to be in my career. But here's what I'll have. I'll have peace with it. I'll have strength with it. I'll have kingdom with it. Do you follow what I'm saying today? And I break every demonic power that wants to come against families, not just in this room. I'm talking about in this nation. It is a shame that we have men that can preach in a pulpit but don't know how to get rid of the devil in their living room. It's a shame that we can have miracles on a platform, but we don't have the miraculous power of the presence of God in our homes anymore. I can tell you this, there's a generation that is looking for more than just an outpouring of miracles. They're looking, do they treat their wife right? Do they treat their kids right? If they do get out of line, do they apologize? Do they know what it is to see the presence of God moving in their home? And for God's sake, be Christians in the midst of a culture that is no longer moving in that direction. Somebody say amen if you believe that. I only share this as an example, but, you know, we've had in the news recently all kinds of stuff with people in the pulpit. Because we have lost basic Christianity. I said this last week, but you know what? Take the platforms, take the, the sound, you know, take, take all the lighting, take... All of, the, all of the stuff, the smoke machines, and leave us a word of God. If we can't do it with just this, then what are we doing? I almost feel like there is a trend coming back of people hungry for just the power of the word and the presence of God and change lives. Change lives. But it's why you can have a preacher in the pulpit that commands Thousands of people that will come hear him in meetings and miracles. I don't know. Maybe they were miracles. I don't know. People coming to an altar. I don't know what they were coming to an altar for. But why he can do all of that and then leave his wife for an intern? And, and then you have ministers that will come to restore him. Not to his wife, but to his ministry. And in three months, restored him to his ministry. And guess what? Fast forward eight years later, doesn't take a rocket scientist to understand what's going to happen. He's in trouble again. 
And I don't say that to down a person. I'm saying this. We need to get back to the basics of the Christian faith, which is this. He is Lord over our lives. There are holiness, the requirements that God has on our life that can be met with an intimate relationship with God. But is there anybody else that's hungry for more than coming to church and singing the songs and going through the motions? And what we are hungry for is the kind of movement that can change our life. Do you hear what I'm talking about today? Listen, we've all got stuff. We're all in places where we can't get things fixed. I get that. I'm just saying I can't change her. I can't change anyone else. But I can certainly say, God, what is it that you want to do in my life to possess the people that matter and the relationships that matter? Somebody give God praise if you believe that today. So somebody go, and what that means is we've all got stuff. I hope you hear what I'm saying. I'm not attacking here today. We've all got stuff. Sometimes a husband does everything he can do to make this work, and they leave. And they leave. And, and what can you do there? You can do what God wants you to do. Sometimes the wife does everything she can do, and the husband leaves. I, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about this. I'm talking about me as an individual saying, God, Lord, I don't want to be moved by my past. I don't want to be moved by my emotions. I don't want to be moved just by what's happening to me, but I want you to begin to speak to me, show me, talk to me. Let the Word of God begin to change me so that we can begin to move forward into the purpose of God and God's best. Somebody say amen if you believe that today. Unfortunately, in 2000 and, you know, whatever year it is, 19, it's like we don't hear a lot of just the basic Christianity of loving one another, of walking with one another, of letting God, you know, in a relationship, whether it's a wife, you know, a relationship in a church to where we can be sensitive enough to say, God, talk to me if I've spoken in a way, acted in a way. That's not right. Rather than going and just posting on Facebook and starting wars. And, and what that does is it creates this atmosphere of such stress and anxiety. That brings us to the point where even when God is moving, we're too far away to see it. And I don't know about you. I'm hungry to see his moving. I don't want to take the devil's bait. I don't want to get so wrapped up in me that I miss the movement of God of where he's taken me. Amen? Because here's who matters. Here's who matters. Not just even your next generation. The next, next generation. I thank God I'm blessed at 50 to see two of them so far. Two little dudes running around that... One of them makes me take him to donut shops, and I tell him, we can't go there. We're not allowed to go there. You should, don't, don't. I won't tell that you took me to the donut shop. Every day I wake up and I say, I, you know, I, this is in my mind. Maybe I'll be, I'll see him when he's 35. But what about the ones coming after that? Ever find yourself praying for the ones that are coming? And I pray this, Lord, let me live in such a way where little distractions don't steal my focus on the one that matters. 
close with this thought. I'll close with this thought. Somebody laughing back there. That's okay. He says, it bother you? Never. Never. Kids never bother me. Except my own. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No. No. So, they say if you just start in New York City um, in a ship towards London, and if you merely divert by an inch, you won't notice much. You can still make the adjustment. If you never make the adjustment, you will miss London by miles. So the enemy plays the long game. Just a little offense here. A little unresolved argument here. A little don't let the sun go down in your anger. You're going to wonder why that is because it's a little adjustment today. It's miles later. Isn't it interesting, the Greek word for sin is hamartia, which means literally to miss the... So the gym, if I'm not careful, the little things in my life undealt with in the Spirit of God. It's not that God doesn't love me, it's just that they can knock me off course a little. And then years pass, and how did I get over here? The good thing about God is he can restore it and bring you back in a moment through repentance. But how much better to say, God, let me at this point in my life, let me be sensitive. I want to live close enough to you to see it. I want to live close enough to you every day that, Lord, by praying this prayer in the morning, God, if I say something, that is not pleasing to you, let me know it when I say it, rather than five years from now when I have to look back and say, how did we get here? Make me broken. Make me sensitive. Let me live close enough to see when you're moving. Sometimes the move of God is healings and miracles. Most often the move of God is you need to forgive. You need to make that right. You need to speak a word of encouragement. You need to get Pastor Matt a great big gift next week. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. I basically live close enough to see his moving. I'll close with a story and then I'll let you go because I know it's late. Um, my, my next point was going to be, and it will be, it, can you put it up there, Jordan, next point? Just put it up there real quick. And, I, and I'm not going to preach this. Look to follow and walk with those who bear the presence. When you get close enough to the presence of God, you start to identify people that God will help you to see how this works out in everyday life. Because you notice that the scripture says, just go to the scripture very quickly. Jordan, go to the scripture very quickly. Uh, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests and the Levites bearing it. I, I met this man years ago, and I'll condense the story in about 20 seconds. S.R. Hamby, great man of God, 81, 82 years old, pioneered 21 churches, I think. I was in New York, and I was 
I had a friend of mine named Philip Campbell, and he said, you got to come meet Brother Hamby. I said, that would be great. Went to this little apartment outside of uh, north of Albany. Walked into this place in his little, little room. And this little guy, they were so sweet. He's, he's an elderly gentleman. His wife was an old Pentecostal type. She, she had the big, the bun. They didn't have remote controls in their house, so she, she'd watch the TV, and she thought the commercials were ungodly. She didn't like what was on some of the commercials. She says, so all I can do, she just swiveled her chair. <laughs> and she'd swivel back when the bad commercials were off. So before we left, we had a great conversation. Before we left, because um, I always wanted to pray with people who I sensed had something in God I don't. And so we said, could we pray before we leave? And we started to pray in this guy who started 21 churches, you could feel the presence of God, the holiness in that room. Started to pray, and he starts to weep and say, Lord, forgive me. He's, he starts saying, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of these things. And I'm thinking, if he sinned, I'm certainly doomed. <laughs> but what I sensed was this brokenness, a heart gem that would say, I want to live close enough to the presence to see him moving. And then he, after we're done praying, and I'm feeling completely like, God, let me have that. Everyone, listen, we should have people in our life that provoke our faith. He said, Brother Philip, and Brother Kimball looked up, he says, you need a battery in your car, don't you? Nobody knew. He hadn't said anything. His battery was just going to, he made it up there, there was no indication. His battery was going dead, and, and he didn't have the money for the battery. And this man discerned it and heard it. He's, and he said, no, no. He said, I'm fine. He said, no, I've already heard the Lord. And he gets up, and he's walking. I mean, it was about one mile per hour. <laughs> he's walking. And pa it was funny. Pastor Campbell's like, no, 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 wait, 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 come back. He said, no, no, no. So he went back, and he wrote him this check. Has hardly any money, but he heard God. And he wrote this check, and he got the battery fixed. The bigger thing was this, it stuck with me and made an impression in my life at 22 that I am still chasing to say, God, I want to live close enough to the presence when I see you moving. And in his life, what I saw, a brokenness to say, God, cleanse me. Don't let there be secret sin in my life. Don't let there be secret motives in my life. Let me be pure. Let me be cleansed enough so that when you speak, I can hear it. And that's a faith that goes in to the promised land. Anybody get anything out of this today? Stand with me if you will. Stand with me if you will.